You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Well, welcome everybody. Today, the message is entitled Quelling Anxiety. Quelling Anxiety. And this is how to quiet the storm within. So we're going to be talking about how to quiet the storm within. I'm going to pray, and then I'll uh, lead you in a prayer. Father, I am asking that you would quiet the storms that are within our hearts and souls, and that you would make us to know your peace that surpasses all understanding, and give us the strategies and tactics Help us, Lord. Give me grace to share what you want me to share. Just the exact, the exact proportion that you want me to share. The exact proportion, the exact portion. That's what, the exact portion, Lord. And feed us, transform us, and Jesus be glorified in this time. In your precious name, amen. 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 All right, put your hands on your hearts and... Pray this with me, nice and loud with conviction. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus speak, to my heart speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. So hallelujah, we are here. Um, this week I had a dream, and in this dream uh, I was preaching and then somebody asked me afterward, where's the infographic to the message? Where's the infographic to the message? And I was like, I can't do an infographic every time uh, I do a message. And I think it was Fran who was. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. It was a dream. Uh, so, well, it turns out, it turns out in this message, it's. It turns out in this message that I do have an infographic that I'm going to be sharing, but only because God inspired it. Uh, and yes, we're going to be talking about quelling anxiety. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. And many of us will be familiar with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. This is Jesus' teaching. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we're just going to stop there. We're going to pause there. The other way it could be said is do not be anxious about tomorrow. It's the word that's also translated as anxious in the Greek. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow uh, will be anxious about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And here Jesus is teaching, teaching many things. He's always sharing something multi multifaceted. But it's something we would call today as overthinking and we can be led into anxiety and worry through overthinking. And so he's telling us, don't be overthinking about tomorrow and the next day. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, tomorrow is going to worry about itself. So focus on today. And I would like to extrapolate on that, that we are to focus on God's presence today, God's goodness today, how God wants to provide today based on what Jesus shared. And I, I did share a message on winning, winning the war, winning the war 
on worry, uh, winning the war of worry, and where I shared that SOS. And this is like a continu continuation on that. And we're going to develop it some more. And before we go any further, happy birthday, Valerie. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valerie. Happy birthday to you. Hallelujah. That's what we're doing in church instead of hip, hip, hooray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just joking around. Um, Valerie, it's her ninth birthday. We had a party yesterday at the ice skating rink, which is very close to our house. There's uh, Valerie ice skating and all the kids, and then we invited them back to our house, and oh boy, that was an adventure. <laughs> but it was fun. The kids, had, the kids had lots of fun. So we're talking about anxiety. What's anxiety? Anxiety is the storm within. It happens when we let this world's troubles get inside us. We soon become like a waterlogged boat. And like the disciples, we start wondering if the Lord cares. This is something that we read a couple weeks ago when we had that prophetic meeting. That was really, I was very proud of everybody. That was a very rich experience. Let's turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 36, 2. Oh, that shouldn't be 31. That would be going backwards. <laughs> so Mark 36, 41. Mark 36. Uh, Mark chapter 4, sorry. Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 36 to 41. And I'm going to have it up on the screen very soon. So none of us are completely immune to all the troubles that are out there. And we were having a conversation before. All the prices are rising. And some of us were struggling before the prices rose. And now all the prices are rising and things are happening in the world. And if you look all throughout history, there has always been trouble in the world. And Jesus was saying that. He was saying, well... You know, tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has its troubles. Knowing that helps us to accept that, yes, there's trouble in the world, but we have a Savior and Lord who brings peace to the storm. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow the storm that's out there to get into our souls and make us anxious. So like I was saying before, anxiety is the storm within. It happens when we let this world's troubles get inside of us. And then we become, we, we become like these, uh, the, the disciples back then in this uh, passage that we're going to read. So let me read it. Mark 4, we'll start 35 through 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
So let's praise God this morning that even the wind and the waves obey him. That he is the Lord over the troubles. And I had a prophetic word a couple weeks ago in which I saw the Lord rising and he was bringing peace to the storms all across the earth. And then in this message, what I believe the Lord wants to say is he wants to bring peace to the storms that are in our souls, in our hearts. He wants to quiet them. Only Jesus can truly calm our anxieties. Only Jesus can truly calm our anxieties. But we have a responsibility to practice his wisdom so that we can live in the tranquility he gives. So only Jesus can truly calm anxieties, but we have a responsibility to practice his wisdom so that we can live in the tranquility he gives. There's a lot of material out there about how to, uh, how to overcome anxiety, worry, and uh, I'm not talking about the Christian world, but the world out there. And I've read many of it, and I always get this, this sense that how, uh, how bad is it, or I don't know if that's how I want to say it, um, how... How bad is, oh, let me say it like this. How bad is life when you're trying to cope with all these things without Jesus? So that people come up with all these strategies and techniques, and some of them are good, uh, but they only go so far. When they come up with all these tra- uh, strategies to quell their anxieties, to overcome worry, to overcome fear, and they're trying to do it without God. And it's not all bad things, you know. Sometimes you come into a stressful situation, you take a deep breath. There's nothing wrong with that. But can you imagine life without leaning on the Lord, without depending on Him, without looking to Him, with trying to do it all yourself? And so much of the counseling and psychology today is all based on how can I overcome these things without God? In other words, in my own works, in my own effort, in my own, you know, all the techniques that I put into practice, how can I do this without God? And that's never how life is meant to be. The Lord is the creator. And the only way we can actually uh, be healthy, whole, know know peace, know his peace is by trusting in him, by depending on him, by relating to him. And so this is what I'm meaning here, that only Jesus can truly calm our anxieties. Only he can rise up and bring peace to the winds and the waves. Of course, once he comes to live inside of you, you can rise up with Christ in you and also speak to the winds and the waves. That's your authority in Christ that you have when you are saved, but it's him. It's him in you. It's not you alone. And Jesus desires to calm our anxieties. He also gives us practical wisdom. We find this in the Sermon on the Mount so that we can live in tranquility. So I'm going to talk about this. That brings us soon to our infographic. So today I want to talk about five tactics for quelling anxiety. Are you ready? (laughs) Five tactics for quelling anxiety. Here we go. Here's our latest infographic and I'll be I'll be putting it on brisbanefire.com and I'll send it to you and what I recommend is saving it to your phone. You can press on the photo and you can save it on your, on your phone so that you can use this as a resource. So it's five, and I'm going to zoom into it in a second, five tactics to quell anxiety God's way. 
five tactics to quell anxiety God's way. And we're going to start by going to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. So turn over to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading 4 through 9. And this is where we're going to mainly focus this morning. And that is think good thoughts. Think good thoughts. It's simple, and I want it to be simple because when the anxiety is coming, I want something for you to remember that's simple and scriptural. Think good thoughts. So we're going to read this in a second. Your brain works like a road network. The neurons travel down known pathways. Thinking good thoughts can change the wrong paths that lead to anxiety. So let's read here in Philippians uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We'll talk about that more tomorrow night at Bible school. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. It's the same word in the Greek as what we read before with Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6, 34. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in the, that SOS message about winning the, war on, uh, winning the war against worry, we talked about prayer and petition. But today I want to look a bit more at that word thanksgiving. Just dwell on it for a little bit. Present your requests with God. So notice that often in prayer we can be a soul overcome by what we need. The lack in our life. That we focus on that. But Paul is teaching us here, and the Holy Spirit is teaching us through Paul, that it's by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That at the center of it is thanksgiving. Thanking God for what he has done. Thanking God for who he is. Especially thanking God for his great salvation, what we were doing during, the, during worship. Thanking him that he has saved us, that he has delivered us, that he has, eternal, that he has given us eternal life even thanking God in advance that I know, Lord, you are going to care for me and look after me. So this thankful heart is, is one of the ways to quell anxiety. It's thinking good thoughts. And this is, what I'm teaching here this morning is something that the Lord has been teaching, for, teaching me for about three months and getting me to practice. Not that I hadn't before, but times are very turbulent, and it's not easy in these times to be a pastor. And so I'm revisiting these things, learning them afresh. And so this has been like building up in me for the last few months. This, and this Thanksgiving, and one of the things I've been doing is, is uh, as I lay in bed, go, scanning through my day, all the things I can thank God for just before going to sleep. And this is, the Lord wants us to live a, a life of thanksgiving. That's what grace is supposed to be about. You know, we say grace, thank you for this food, but sometimes we do it so much that we aren't really thankful from our heart. But it's like, uh, we can't thank God for the, well, we can thank God for the lift in the past. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for all those times the lift did work, right? <laughs> but thank you that we have a place to be in worship. Thank you that we have water. Thank you that we have family. Yes, the baby is crying, but thank God he's crying. <laughs> and he's alive. This, you know, thankful. Uh, I don't know maybe where the money is going to come tomorrow, but thank, thankfully there's enough for today. This, this attitude of gratitude, this 
thanksgiving about everything, everything that we can think of. You know, thank you that there's peace in Brisbane City. There's not a riot going on. Uh, well, it hasn't always been the case in New York City. There was riots and people throwing chairs through, through windows and all that stuff. But thank you, Lord, that there's peace here in this city. And try to use your mind. Use your mind to think of everything possible to thank God for. And this, it brings a great peace as we see. And uh, in verse 7, it says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. That's talking about God's shalom. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it happens in Christ Jesus, but there's something that we need to do. And that thing that we need to do is pray and practice thanksgiving. Live a life of thanksgiving. Anna, did you have something when you raised your hand before? Well, I was just remembering that, that story, that story Tim Bennett gave us when there was a concentration camp yeah. that lights. Yes. And oh, wait, let's get this on. The, uh, do you mind unmuting? Let's get this. Anna, here you go. Sorry, I was just remembering the story that Corey Timboom writes about in her book. Um, about when they were in the, in the concentration camp and they all had lice and her, and her sister was teaching, I think, on this verse and said, we need to thank God in all circumstances. And she said, even for the lice? And she said, yes, even for the lice. And then they found out that because their, their bunker had lice that the soldiers weren't, wouldn't come in so they were able to read their Bible and have Bible studies wow. because of the lice. So often we don't even understand why we're going through this, but thanking God that he has, he sees the bigger picture. And, yeah. Yeah, amen. And this life of thanksgiving is just seeing what, it's not making stuff up, but it's just seeing what God is doing and who he is and how he cares, even if we may not see it completely like in that story. Now, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is all about the renewing of the mind. The Lord wants to renew our mind. We need to participate in that renewal. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So what quells our anxieties is the God of peace. God's peace within us, which it guards our hearts and our minds. It surpasses all understanding, as we read in, other, in another place in Scripture. I was looking at all these words in the Greek, writing them out. I didn't put it up here for today. But there was something I noticed. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, what is pure. And sometimes when you're reading it in the original, it's, you're, it's like high definition. You're seeing things in high definition. And what I saw, and you can see this in the English too, but what I saw is these are all things that describe Jesus Christ especially whatever is true, this is the word that Jesus is using, or the scripture uses about Jesus, and Jesus is using, yes, Jesus is using in the book of John when he says, I am the true vine, or I am the real vine, and you are the branches, this word true, and uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, I am the true, you know, when he's talking about being the true shepherd, so he is truth. And so all of this is really calling us to meditate on the beauty and the goodness and the loveliness and the purity and the justice of who Jesus is. It's calling us to uh, think about the cross, think about Jesus. It is not saying, oh, you know, the prophets say some negative words, so don't think about, don't read the prophets because uh, it's too negative. <laughs> we need to hear words that challenge us. 
and words that correct and rebuke us. Those words are also good. So it's not telling us don't ever think about anything difficult or hard, but it's telling us to think in such a way that the prophets thought. When they, they prophesied, they prophesied at judgment, but they always brought it to hope, that God had a hope and a future that he was going to overcome and restore, that there would be a remnant that would believe. And so if you read the prophets carefully, it's not just darkness. You'll see that the light triumphs and that, uh, like a good movie, the good guys win. And he's the good man and he wins in the end. But you have to go through some dark roads to get there, right, to see that. But there's always hope, and so our mind needs to be renewed with this hope that the prophets had in the most dire of circumstances. And these good thoughts, think good thoughts. Again, let me read this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I, was, uh, I told you before, I was reading this article in the magazine called How It Works, and it talks about how the brain works. Part of my research was you know, reading this. And in there, they believe that 70% of our thoughts are negative thoughts. So you wonder why, and that's because of our sinful nature, but, and that's because we don't see God. We don't see God in the everyday. It's like, oh, in, in our theology, in our doctrine, we say, yeah, God cares for me. God loves me. But then every day walking it out, every day walking it out, it's like we've got to do this on our own. We don't have God to lean on. Do, do you see this kind of thinking that we come up with? But we have a God who cares, and we have a God who's active in our lives. And so we need to be able to, to see him and appreciate him. And then he's coming to us uh, like the disciples in the, in the storm. They were in that storm, and Jesus was praying all night, and then Jesus comes walking on the water. And what do they think? I mentioned this before. Oh, no, this is a ghost. <laughs> they mistake Jesus coming as something that is terrifying when really he came and said, do not fear. I am. And immediately the storm quieted down, and they got to the place they were meant to go. So in all these things, I want to encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on the cross, believe in his grace for everyday life. There's also something they talk about there called the doorway effect. The doorway effect is quite interesting. This is why they talk about why you kind of walk into a room and then all of a sudden you forget why you're there. Uh, it's called the doorway effect. They have a name for it. And, it's the, uh, and what happens in the, the mind, what their uh, theory is, is as you walk into a new room, your mind resets. It has new thoughts for that new experience. So it, it can forget. Now, how do I relate this to the church? And we've been seeing the doorway effect in the church for a long time. It's we're in the glory of God. God is blessing us. Whoa, his love, his grace, his power. Woohoo! And then we walk through the door and we get into our home environments and our work environments and what we've experienced in the house of God. We forget. And this is what I'm saying is, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to think differently in those environments. Yeah. That in those environments of stress and the boss is breathing down your face and, and there's not enough money in the account, that's when we need to remember God is good. Yeah. And think those good thoughts and remember what we've received here, wherever church you're at, remember what you've received and, and take it into your everyday lives and, and experience the goodness of God. 
think about your house differently. Don't think about it as a place of chaos. Think about it as a place where the Lord wants to come and bring his peace. That's a place of comfort and joy. Think about your work differently. You're the ambassador there. You bring the peace of God there. And people are looking to you like they look to Solomon because you are the child of God there. And as they look to Solomon for wisdom, they'll be looking to you too. Your brain works like a road network. The neurons travel down known pathways. So if the known pathway is something, a stress comes, and I get all fearful and anxious, it will keep on, the neurons will keep on traveling down that pathway until you say no and start, start digging another pathway, start paving another way. Now, this is the way the scientists are talking today, but it's been in... <laughs> It's been in the scripture for a long time. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And we do that inwardly in our minds as well as in our ministries outwardly. Well, I've got something new in my life. <laughs> I enjoyed that, uh, the e-scooter so much. You know how it went? We, we, went in the, uh, we went to the park and going through all the going through all the uh, different pathways, and I rented the e-scooter, and we passed it around, and a number of us did it. Well, I enjoyed it so much that I got an, in I got an inexpensive one for my birthday. Oh. And so, it's, it, yeah, it's like an inexpensive way of transport rather than buying a second car, because, of course, in a family. So I've got this scooter, and I've been using it, and uh, when the party, I was at the party most of the time, but when it got too loud and I had to prepare, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to the cafe. So I took the, I couldn't do this in the past. You know, I took the, scooted down to the cafe and, and, and worked a bit and then came home and Anna was like pulling her hair out. And I was like, hey. <laughs> so uh, husbands, don't take that. I, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I was with them most of the time, but I needed to, to prepare. Anyway, what came back to me is I started to use this thing, and all my young life, and I didn't know this was in my brain, but all my young life I was on a skateboard, and I was on, the I was on bicycles, and I did snowboarding. And so you, you wouldn't know that I did that. But when I got on the scooter, all of that kind of, Muscle memory was in there. All the skateboarding I used to do, you know, to school and back and around the neighborhood and the snowboarding and the balance, all of it was in there. And, and I was happy, too, to have my balance, too, um, because a couple of years ago I had struggled with my own balance. And so everything was in there. And what I'm saying with anxiety is, we have things deep in our brain that we don't even realize. And this is why it's so important to think scripturally, purposefully, because you're going to remember the anxiety. This happens. So normally, you know, how our brain thinks, if this happens, so this thing's going to happen. And as, as a result, we may reject people because we don't want to be rejected, so we reject them first. All those type of things that go on in relationships when we should think uh, differently and pray, pray that it is different because we have a God who's, who, who works and who's active and who's alive. Most of my time is spent on this here I'll share some of the other things, and we're going to come to conclusions soon. But think good thoughts, and by thinking good thoughts, you are making new pathways in your mind. And this is one of the reasons why habits are hard to break, because, for example, somebody that may have a drug habit or uh, an addiction to alcohol, what will happen is they have a certain stressor in their life, and so they go to the alcohol or the drugs for the comfort. And that, that road in their mind is there, and they, they will keep on going there until a roadblock is set up, 
and they start paving new pathways. And of course, the Holy Spirit helps us with that. So for me, when I, I remember when I first started to spend time alone with the Lord, it was so difficult. Even I remember when I was first going to church, I just got saved. And to say the name of Jesus was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> My spirit was, I'm sure, uh, needed freedom. But I couldn't, say, I couldn't say the name of Jesus. And oh, it was so hard to raise my hands. But my mind wasn't renewed yet. It was so difficult. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I was like, in Jesus' name, I could do this. Oh, it was the hardest thing ever. And then I, I, I did it. Now it's second nature. You know, and then I got into a point where it was so hard. And then I was in university, Hofstra University university, a secular university, and as I'm walking on campus, God is filling me with so much joy that I'm raising my hands, and I don't care who sees. I'm like, hallelujah. I'm by myself. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, that's how the Lord transforms us. Uh, but yeah, it was, and then spending time with the Lord, it was so difficult at first because that pathway hadn't been made. But once the pathway is made, it becomes easier, easier. You still need the power of the Holy Spirit. But you have made, uh, what I'm trying to say is you have made the pathway. You have cleared the way for the Lord in that area. And so our thought life, and our responses are so important. And I'm not perfect in this. So, because we're in close fellowship, you are going to see me at times worried and anxious. And how am I going to do this? And you need to remind me, hey, Glenn, remember that message? <laughs> so I will... <laughs> So I need the message too, and I need to keep on reminding myself because life is not easy, and there's storms, and sometimes the water is coming in the boat, and then you're wondering, Jesus, why are you sleeping? Come on. But notice how the disciples acted and what they said, don't you care? And when we're going through difficult times, we're wondering, God, do you care? Now, now, here's the thing. When COVID started, I thought, how are we going to survive as a church? How is this going to happen? And then I thought, well, you know, when, they, when COVID stops, the people will come back. And, the peop and lots of people didn't come back. <laughs> then it was like, how are we going to do this? We did that. How are we going to do this? I, so starting from 2020, uh, 2020, I don't know how we made it this far. But the Lord has taken care of us. And we have made it glory to God. But I'm just telling you the, the thought processes. At the same time, there was another thought. And that was God cares. He's going to look after us. The Lord kept on saying, just keep, keep your eyes on me. Keep doing what I've called you to do. You do the work that I've called you to do, and I'll do my work. Don't try to figure it all, all out. Don't lean on your own understanding. One time I said, oh, God, I was in bed, and I felt like I was being crushed with a vice. And I was like, oh, God, it's so difficult. And God responded in a way that I didn't expect. He says, has there ever been a time where it hasn't been difficult in the, in the ministry? I said, the ministry is so difficult. And I looked back and over, you know, 20 years. I said, no, really, there hasn't been a time that has not been difficult. And he, but he said, but I have been with you but I have been with you. And that makes all the difference that the Lord's presence is with us. He was with them in the boat. He came to them also in the boat during that storm. So our thoughts need to think about these times of salvation and deliverance, what the Lord has done, who he is, and the God of peace will be with us. So that's think good thoughts. The rest are just, the rest I ought to go through quickly. Oh, I didn't, I've, I mentioned before, don't overthink. Thank God continually. Trust, trust. These all have to do with T words, like think, thank God, trust. And tongues, oh yes, tongues. Now what is, 
What is so powerful about tongues? Now, I just want you to think about tongues as your prayer language because sometimes there's things so deep within you don't know how to communicate them. So praying in your prayer language, tongues, helps you overcome anxiety by praying in tongues. So this is... Not everybody prays in tongues. I believe every believer can pray in tongues. But if you're not praying in tongues, remember all these things. But tongues, there's been times where I've been in a lot of anxiety and I just prayed in the spirit and calmed right down. So I do want to recommend that prayer language tongues. And don't get too overthinking tongues. Just This is a way of the Holy Spirit communicating through you that's going to overcome your mind and your thoughts, and you're going to be able to communicate what the Holy Spirit has put within you. Yes. Oh, let's. Uh, oh, let's get this on. Yeah. Yes. It's not something that you do yourself. It's a gift from yes. the Lord. So if you want this gift, just ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Continually ask Him because it's a wonderful. Encouraging gift. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yes, it is a gift. This next point, all of this is going to spell the word train, T-R-A-I-N, because we're training our minds to think differently. And the R is remember what God has done. This has to do with thanksgiving. As well. In Lamentations 3 21 through 24, the poet turns a corner when he remembers God's kind love, compassion, and faithfulness. Because he's in the pit of despair in Lamentations. But then in Lamentations 3 21 through 24, where the song comes, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Uh, is it that? There's, what's that? Oh, yeah, the steadfast love. That's it. That one's like it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. I will stop singing right now. <laughs> All right, so then let's go over to Lamentations 3.21. But here's the turning point. He remembers God's kind love, compassion, and faithfulness. And this causes him to think differently and to pray differently. It starts in verse, it's the remembering starts in 19, because this is an acrostic psalm, and this is the Zion section, and Zion is the letter that begins remember in Hebrew. So you have three verses on remembering, Zion, Zion, that start with Zion, Zion, Zion. And then the last one, 21, this is where there's this real turning point. Yet this I call to mind, or this I remember. It starts with the word remember in Hebrew. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So he's remembering. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Then it goes on, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Now, here, the poet is every, uh, every three verses, he is focusing on a letter in Hebrew. So it starts off in the beginning of this, Aleph, 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 Bet, 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 Gimel, Gimel, Gimel. And then you get to... The Zion section, that's the remember section. Then you get to the chesed section. That is the section which is fo focusing on God's uh, kind, steadfast love, the chesed. And then you get to the tet section where he's focusing on tov, good, good, good. So I'm trying to show you some of the poetry in this section. I've mentioned it before, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. So he's thoroughly working through things in this poetry remembering what God has done. So to quell anxiety, remember what God has done. How are we going? Because we're almost finished here. This one we'll focus on more in Bible school. 
the third, but this is the central one. And it came up here, and it was very prophetic when Elizabeth acted this out. Abide in Jesus' love. Abide in Jesus' love. And here we're recalling John 15, but also perfect love casts out all fear. That came up in the meeting. When you know Jesus' abundant love and active care for your life, you can face life without fear. The Father has created you to live with his love within you. You were created for his love to live within you, not for it to be out there somewhere for someone else. Now, here's the thing with prophetic people, and there's a lot of prophetic people here, and I'm happy. Hallelujah. But sometimes we're prophesying to everybody else, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, but it's hard for us to accept it for ourselves. God loves me. And maybe we think it's a bit too selfish, but, but it's not. It's not. God loves me. And this is what this intimacy unit is about, too. God loves me. He cares for me. And if you really get a hold of that, then the love of God flows through you to others as well. But, yeah, with any type of ministry, we can be focused on God cares for you, and that's good, but we forget it for ourselves. And this is why we need to go back to Jesus' abundant love for us. Abide in Jesus' love. Then the next thing is the I imagine according to Scripture. Imagine according to Scripture. I'm not going to go deep into this, but I do need to say something about this. Because once you hear the word imagine in Christian circles, it's usually, watch out, witchcraft, uh, new age. But do you know God made the mind, and it's full of images, and he made us in his image? And imagine, it's important, God wants to reclaim our imagination. Now, there is a reason why people have been negative toward imagination, and I think it comes from the King James translation of the Scripture. And every time you encounter the word imagine, it's always negative, always negative. I think it's almost always negative, so 100% negative. So the old-school Christian thinking is imagination is negative. You're going to have a, some weird fantasy and don't think like that. But the Lord wants to touch our imagination. And art comes out of imagination. And there are some Christians that says, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go along with the same path that all the Christian community is going down. I am actually going to use my imagination to express uh, truth through art into the world. And art is, and you'll find it, that's the other thing that's lost in translation. I'm trying to bring it out is that the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament too, it's full of, but especially the Hebrew scriptures, it's full of poetry. So it was art, it was imagination. Here in Lamentations chapter 3, it's an acrostic psalm where he's going through the whole Hebrew alphabet, thoroughly praying. And so there was a form and a structure to it. God made the mind to process and connect images. Sadly, some Christians think imagination has no place in the Christian life. Let Scripture inspire your imagination and see things according to God's hope-filled future. See it according to His hope-filled future. So instead of the, the bad thoughts coming, you're seeing things according to what He wants to do and you're praying accordingly. And really what the prophets are doing is they are re, they're refiring our imagination to see things as God sees them. And they're also giving us a great picture of what restoration looks like, what, what it looks like when we repent and turn to God and how, how vibrant and full of green and fruit it is and how all the people are coming back and um, the, the sheep and everybody are, are, are prospering this image that comes up in the prophets but also they paint when we turn away from the lord it's dismal so let's abide in jesus love the last thing here is nurture yourself with psalms praise and the song of songs 
Nurture yourself with psalms, praise, and the song of songs. Music, especially God's music, calms your soul. His songs free your spirit. We remember David with Saul and David's playing and how that brought freedom to Saul for a period of time. Psalms, praise, and the song of songs. So I would encourage you to say, yesterday morning, it was a beautiful morning. We had the praise and worship going on in the house. And we were preparing, you know, getting the house clean. But there's just an environment of worship. And it does something to your soul, to your mind. And the song of songs. And this is what we're covering at Bible school, the Song of Songs. This Song of Songs renews our minds and it actually uh, quells anxiety when we realize how passionately our bridegroom loves us. So music is very good. It has uh, lots of benefits. And, they, we have, and today, you know, I could talk, you can have one of these things in your home. You can get one for Amazon or whatever, and you just talk to it and say, hey, play me some worship, and it plays worship. So it's not so difficult to do, to have an environment in your home of worship. Amen? So that's the five things we're going to pray. Think good thoughts. Think good thoughts. Uh, oh, I'll go back a bit more. So think good thoughts. Remember what God has done. Abide in Jesus' love. Imagine according to Scripture and nurture yourself with psalms, praise, and the song of songs. These are the five tactics to quell anxiety. There could be more, too. There is more. But I think this is a good start. So let's stand. Let's stand, and we're going to pray. Father, thank you for your word that your word is a rich feast. And I'm praying now that there would be a great peace that comes to our souls and our minds. And that as we go out of this door, that we would remember these things, these five things. Especially that you help us to think good thoughts that are centered around you, Jesus, and around the cross. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew our minds. Do that mighty work of renewing our minds that we would be healed and restored and know your peace. Thank you, Jesus. We, we invite you to come and, and speak to the storms within. Peace be still.